good. I was thinking, I haven't probably stood up here like this for about four years, five years, something like that. So I've got lots of thoughts to share in that, that time. So we'll be, we could be here for a while. So, um, but don't worry, I've, I'm, I'm all ready for this one. I've had, I've had 14 double espressos and a bowl of porridge. So we are ready to go. And I came across this um, newspaper cutting during the week, and there's a tenuous link to what I want to share, so I thought I'd share it anyway. Um, the, the headline is, Assailant Suffers Injuries After Fall. Orville Smith, a store manager from Best Buy in Augusta, told police he observed a male customer, later identified as Tyrone Jackson of Augusta, on surveillance cameras, putting a laptop computer under his jacket. When confronted, the man became irate, knocked down an employee, drew a knife and ran for the door. Outside, on the sidewalk, were four Marines collecting toys for the Toys Toys for Tots program. Smith said the Marines stopped the man, but he stabbed one of the Marines, Corporal Philip Dugan, in the back. The injury did not appear to be severe. After police and an ambulance arrived at the scene, Corporal Dugan was transported for treatment to the local hospital. The subject was also transported to the local hospital with two broken arms, a broken ankle, a broken leg, several missing teeth, possible broken ribs, multiple contusions, assortment of lacerations, a broken nose, broken jaws. Injuries he sustained when he slipped and fell off the curb, according to the police. Uh, that, that tickled me. I, so, what, what I want to share today is um, about how we make choices. And obviously, this man made a few bad choices um, at that point in time. And it's really come about just through sort of conversations with people and a few observances. So these are my, my musings, my thoughts. They, they may all hang together. They may go off at a tangent. But hopefully, at the end of it, we'll, uh, we'll, well, we might be a bit wiser. What I've discovered is, over the last few years, I've, I've been in places where I've been able to make some really good choices, but I've actually made some fairly poor choices as well. And I began to wonder, what is it that affects my decision-making? Why do I sometimes get it right and sometimes get it wrong? And really, I think it, can, it comes down to two things. I think it comes down to how my heart is and how my head is. And sometimes it's a combination of both. Sometimes it's one or the other. But I thought we might just go through and have a look at a few of those things. I can tell you a few stories about how I've been and where I've got it wrong and where I haven't. I think, generally speaking, if my heart is right with God, then the decisions I make will tend to be the the good decisions, the right decisions. Even they may not appear to be right, or I may even get it wrong in the practical outworking, but if my heart is right, then God can use that. Years ago, when I first became a Christian, um, I remember very clearly within the first few months that God was asking me to go and work in a different country. It was was an amazing sense. I just knew that God wanted me to go and do that. And what I I did is I I looked in some of the, the Christian magazines and stuff like that and discovered something called Lima teams, where you went off with an organization called Regions Beyond Missionary Union, 
Some of you may remember them. I think they're still around, actually. Um, and I applied to go on a Lima team. So I was going to go off to Peru for a year, and I was going to work in the jungle and build churches and, and do all that stuff. And I really thought this was what I was going to do. So I applied, and I had an interview, and they said, yeah, it's going to cost this amount. You need to raise this amount of support. And so I'd, I'd got all of that sorted. And I'd even said to my boss, right, any minute I'm off to Peru. So be prepared. I'm going to have my notice in any minute. And I, re- I really remember, this, this is how it was. I, I, I phoned them up. I hadn't heard anything for a couple of weeks. So I phoned, I phoned up um, the organization. I said, well, what's happening? They said, oh, yes, you've been accepted. You're on next year's team. I said, no, 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 I'm ready to go now. They said, no, no, this year's team left yesterday. <laughs> so I thought, oh, no, I've, I can't hear God or whatever. I, just, I'm com- I was completely flattened. I thought, I've got it completely wrong. The very next Sunday, a guy called Loxley came through and said, do you know, see, I, I believe there's someone here that is ready to go and work abroad. I go, that's me, that's me, that's me. And I went off, and as most of you know, I went off to Mozambique, and we did all sorts of stuff out there. But for me, because my heart was right, I was in that place of doing what God wanted me to do. Even though I got the wrong continent, that's, that's nothing for God. <laughs> he can easily get me from South, Af- South America to South Africa, which is what he did. So I think sometimes when my heart is right, even though maybe the practical stuff doesn't always work out, God's there and God can use that. You know, it sometimes it, it even reminds me a little bit, you know, I think we, a few months ago we looked at um, Jonathan, his armour bearer, and that whole attitude of he just wanted to get on and do the right thing. And if God was with him, then God would turn up. And actually, if you read the whole story, it was a real catalyst for the whole change of that environment. But it's just that whole thing of, yeah, my heart's right, I want to get on and do stuff. And I think that is a good place to be when your heart is right. The problem is, is our hearts aren't always right. And I know in the past, my heart's always, not always been right. I've made some bad choices. Um, and sometimes I've even, you know, oh, do I dare I say it? I found myself thinking, oh, I can't be bothered with God at the moment. I'm quite happy being myself. Because my heart had become hardened. And all through the Old Testament, there's warnings in the Psalms, do not harden your hearts like you were in the desert. You know, if you consider how the people of Israel were, they were seeing God provide for them every day. A miracle was happening every single day. And they became so familiar with that, their hearts became hardened. And sometimes I think, you know, I sit out here sometimes and I listen to the testimonies and I listen to what God's doing around the world and I think, oh, yeah, that's nice. Because my heart's been hardened. I haven't, I'm not connecting with that excitement of what God's doing, that freshness all the time of what God does. And so I find myself thinking, oh, yeah, that's nice for them. I'm going to sit here and just do my thing, really. And I think we can, we can allow circumstances to affect our hearts. We can allow people, other people, to maybe offend us. Or, no, we can't be offended. We have to take on offense, don't we? I don't know what all the teaching is. But, you know, we allow some people uh, to maybe, you know, upset us. And then... That says, well, I'm not, I'm not going to speak to them. I'm not going to deal with that. I'm not, I'm not going to resolve that. And then what happens is those feelings, those thoughts, they, they permeate through to every aspect of what you do. And you don't notice it, but all of a sudden you find yourself sitting there thinking, oh, I'm not even going to look over that way because there's that person over there. I haven't done this personally recently. 
But, you know, that's how it can be. You, know, you, can, you can find yourself with a, a wrong heart towards others. And if you've got a wrong heart towards others, then you're going to have a wrong heart towards God because God says you've got to get it sorted because that's what God's like. So he puts people around us to help us. And, you know, we can, we'll look at some of that in a moment. Just checking, I've got all my notes there. Now, I came across an interesting passage when I was looking at this because there's another way that we can harden our hearts, another way we can become familiar with what God is doing. In, in Mark 8, you know, we know about the story where Jesus fed the 5,000, and then we know shortly after, in Mark, he talks that Jesus fed the 4,000. Well, what I hadn't realized is that um, they then got in a boat after the feeding of the 4,000, got in a boat, and they got halfway across uh, the lake, and, you know, I actually bought me other glasses. I'm getting to that point. I need me. They got into the boat, and they were, disciples were having a discussion. And it says, sorry, why was that in the wrong place? It said, um, this is the disciples. And they had forgotten to take bread. They didn't have any more than one loaf with them in the boat. And he was watching, that's Jesus, was watching them saying, watch out, beware. Then they began to discuss with one another the fact they had no bread. And Jesus was aware of this and said, why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Have you not seen or understood? I mean, they'd been with him when they fit the 5,000 and the 4,000. They've got one loaf between, what, a dozen of them on the boat. Have you not understood? Have you not seen? And he says, do, not harden, uh, do, do you have hardened hearts? I thought, that's interesting. That's like in relation to faith. Do you not believe? Have, you, have your hearts become hardened to all the stuff that I've seen? Do you not think I can now do this? And he said, basically, he says, do you not have eyes to see? And do you not have ears to hear? I thought, that's a quite interesting thing, because I don't know whether Jesus then fed more out of one loaf again. Could have been the third time. The implication is, is that he did. It doesn't say it. But there he is. It's the disciples going, oh, we've only got one loaf between us, and oh, what are we going to do? We're really hungry, and we've got to get across the lake. And, all this. and Jesus going, yeah, donuts. Have you not seen what, what you can do? Have you not, do you not believe? You not? So I think sometimes my heart can be hardened because I have that lack of faith to think, well, look, they've done it there, and God's done this, and God's done this, and God's done this, but they can't do it for me. Sometimes we get into that place of thinking, oh, yeah, well, they're okay. They must be really special, but no, I'm just sitting here because, actually, yeah, you know, poor old me, maybe. Do you know... <clears throat> No, I won't say that yet. <laughs> the other stage, the other, the other side of this is our heads and how we, how we process our thinking, how our, how our head is will affect what decisions, what choices we make. And I remember, I remember years ago when we had um, a place down in Barking called Grapefields. We used to have to, it, was, it was one of those tests of your serving ability um, to go there and all the equipment was stored there. So if we were meeting in Barking side, but we had to go to Barking to set up the meeting, you had to, I had to drive from Romford to Barking to there to load the van to go over there. And yes. And I remember one day somebody saying, oh, we need to just pick up the little PA, st- the little PA equipment from the, the, the garage in Barking and bring it up to somewhere or other. And I was in Romford and I thought to myself, you know, if I apply some logic... I can get out of it. Well, I wasn't get out of it, but I can get someone else to do it who lived closer. 
Because it doesn't make any sense to use all that petrol to drive to Barking. And I could very easily argue my way through this to the point of, I phoned someone and said, look, you only live next door or around the corner. Just stick the PA equipment in your boot and bring it up when you're coming. From a logical point of view, that's sounding really good. But, you know, I missed that chance to serve. I missed that chance to actually do the right thing because I had used my brain to work it out. And sometimes God doesn't want us to use our brain in that sense. Sometimes God wants us to be in that place of serving others and looking out for us. John, you're smiling at me, John. Oh, that's fine, that's good. <laughs> but it's that whole thing of, you know, sometimes I can think my way out of a situation that God wants me to be involved in because I can apply, apply my logic. Sometimes we can have the wrong thinking about ourselves or we can have, um, you know, we can think that we are not okay, we're not worth it, we're not... We can have all sorts of little thoughts about ourselves. Do you remember Joe's testimony? Is Joe here? Yeah. don't know. Remember Joe's testimony from a few weeks ago where she, for as long as she could remember, she would compare herself to others and then think she wasn't okay and she just spent a whole night on like that. And I think sometimes... We can get into that. We can think, oh, well, I'm not quite as good as them, so therefore, God, he won't be asking me to do much because I'm not as good as them. And you can disqualify yourself from situations because of the way you process your thinking. You know, that testimony from Joe was brilliant because God just came and changed it. Just brilliant. Just brilliant. You know, on one level, you can take comfort because actually Moses did the same sort of thing. If you read... Um, Moses and his conversation with God. You know, first of all, I just got to put that in context. God appears in a burning bush, right, and then has this direct dialogue with, with Moses. Moses then comes up with four arguments why he shouldn't be the leader of the people. Now, if I don't know if it, if it was me, I'm, I'd be so dumbstruck that God was talking to me directly. I don't think I'd even think of any arguments. But Moses, he goes first of all, he says, "Well, first of all, who am I?" I'm just the littlest of the littlest. Or probably that's what he's thinking. How many times do we think, oh, who am I to stand up and say something? Who am I to get involved? Who am I to go and lead a group? Who am I to be part of a team? Who am I? God says, you are who I've made you to be. And actually, that's the important thing. Then Moses said, well, what should I say? I've got nothing to say. I, you know, I don't know, what should I say? And again, we know that God can give us the words when we need them. God can make us communicate, or allow us to communicate in his way. And then Moses said, well, what if? And there we go, we're trying to predict the future. Which is another thing, you know, God says all the time, you know, you just do what, what I ask you to do and allow me to worry about the future. Allow me to take care of what's going to happen next. Do you know, years ago, I, I, <coughs> I found myself doing a job which... I didn't particularly enjoy it. It was one of those jobs just to, I was doing it just really to pay the bills. But I really felt quite strongly that God asked me to give it up and go and get qualified in IT, which basically meant studying for about oh, 10 or 11 months without any income. And um, I thought, well, I can't do that. What if? What if we've got a mortgage? What if I can't pay? What if we don't do this? What if I don't get a job at the end of it? But I felt, no, God says do that. And... I did it, I got passed some exams, and within almost a, a day of passing exams, I got a job. And God just says, I can, I can deal with the future 
I want you just to do what I'm asking you to do. Don't worry about the what ifs. And then there's the, the one which I have used once or twice personally. But I'm not educated. I can't speak in front of people. I've got no qualifications. I can't do this because I've, had, I've got no education. This is Moses talking to God. I mean, what qualifications do you need when you stand in front of God? Oh, well, actually, I've got, a, I've got a degree in this and I can do this. God, I'm your man. No, God says, where's your heart? What's your, you know, what's it all about? You don't need to be qualified in that sense. All you need to do is say, yeah, I believe you can help me with this. That's all we've got to do. And then the last part, Moses says, yeah, but I'm a slow thinker. I'm a slow talker. I'm not very good. Do you know, I can really, I can actually, I can go with that because I find myself sometimes in situations where there's a discussion going on and somebody presents an argument and I don't have the answers there and then. But I go away and I think about it. And I come back and say, actually, there's this, this and this. I am not quick off the mark sometimes, but it doesn't mean I can't be used. It doesn't mean that God can't do stuff with me. So I just find that actually all these excuses, God says, well, actually, out of all of this stuff, I can still use you. I can still do stuff. I can still do it. Get your thinking right. Don't worry about all this other stuff. Get your head aligned with what I want and you can be used. Can't read me over right, didn't you? Oh, I, th- I think just, if you look at those, both our hearts and our, our, our minds, the way we think, it's so easy for us to find a reason to disqualify ourselves from doing what God's asking you to do. I know because I've I've been there. I've just a, you know even just a few years ago, even a year ago, I would sit there and think, oh well, not me. No, no, I'm not quite there yet. I I wouldn't have anything to say on that anyway. I, I, oh no, I couldn't do that. And I'd find myself disqualifying myself from being involved in in stuff that God was doing. So that's the bad news. Are we doomed forever if we're thinking like that? Can God actually help us out of this situation? I suppose, really, the first question has got to be, do you want to be changed? Do you want to be involved with God? Do you want to be making the right choices? Because, you know, when Jesus asked that that man at the the pool, do you want to be healed? Well, you see, that's a strange question. But the question I think I say to you guys is, is, well... Do you want to have a different way of thinking? Do you want to have a basis of making some right choices? Because you know, if you don't, I've got, I have got some news for you. It's, it's not okay to be happy while being grumpy or in being grumpy. I was quite happy sometimes to be happily grumpy, if you know what I mean. I was quite happy not to have anyone interfering in my life and quite happy not to have God talking to me or people coming to me saying, you're a bit grumpy today. It came to a head when I heard a rumour that a friend of mine was threatening to name their kitten after me because their kitten was quite grumpy. <laughs> I'm not going to look, even look in that direction. But I heard the rumour that that was going to happen. I suddenly thought, hmm, am I that grumpy? <laughs> no, we can't have a vote. The fact is that actually... Thank you, Julie, for that. (laughs) The fact is, is I did find myself quite happily being grumpy. 
and I quite, and I, I'm, I'm not proud to say, I'm quite ashamed to say that actually God is not happy that I was happy being grumpy, if you know what I mean. You know, that is not a place to be. That is not, that is not living in the goodness of God. That is not living, fulfilling my potential, sitting there, being grumpy as whatever. And, and so therefore that started a process of actually I really don't want to continue being like this. So my question is, is, do you, you know, I'm not saying you're all sitting there being grumpy, although some of your faces, no, but do you, you know, do you want to continue being in that place of, um, I'm not quite sure, or do you want to have an expectation that God can change how you are? I think there's, there's, two, there's two aspects that we can look at. The first thing is, in, in Psalm 139, 23, it's a, it's a familiar verse. You say, David says, search my heart. Test me. See what I'm like on the inside. The message puts it, cross-examine me. Get a clear picture of where I'm at. Get a clear picture of where I'm at. And I think, yeah, that's, that's a dangerous prayer. But it's, it's, it's a prayer that if we say, okay, God, just show me. Test me. Show me what I'm like on the inside. Show me this stuff that is not right. I think just, I mean, possibly a word of warning. This is not, this is not a, a signal for you to go off and trawl through all your past sins to find out what you've done that you shouldn't do. Because actually the Holy Spirit is so good at just putting his finger on something and saying, today we need to deal with this. And if you find yourself arguing, oh, it can't be that, it probably is that. Because that's what, you know, that's what happens. You get this thought, oh, maybe God wants to deal with that. No, he doesn't, because I'm quite happy with that. But actually, God says, no, I do need to deal with that. So just have a, you know, even as we're talking, allow God just to be speaking. What is it, maybe, that's in your heart that, you know, what is it that maybe someone's offended you? Well, what happens about that? Oh, you have to forgive them. Yeah? Then you might have to go and talk to them if they know that, you know, well, you know about the practical stuff of, of getting forgiven. Search my heart. Ask God to forgive you. When I realized that I was happy being grumpy, I had to ask God to forgive me. And you know, as soon as you've done that, it's dealt with. And then God can come and move you on. He, can, he made me less grumpy quite quickly. And the process all the way along is that God wanted, to, the, wanted the best. He wanted to turn me around. He wanted me to become as he wanted me to be. And that's what God wants to do for everyone. He wants to move them on and bring them closer to him. And then there's your head. Romans 12, says, Romans 12 too, talks about having your minds transformed, having the way you think transformed, having your mind brought into line with what God wants. Again, the message says, you will be changed from the inside out. That's what we're looking for. We're not looking for people to, to change their, the way they behave, to conform. We want people to be changed from the inside out. We've heard testimonies from Tanya, change from the inside out. Joe, change from the inside out. Lifelong reactions, lifelong ways of thinking have been changed in an instant because God, in his graciousness, has come and just touched people and gone, yeah. Time to, time to deal with that. Time to shift it on. 
for a long time, for as long as I can remember, I, I had a fairly explosive reaction to certain things. And I found myself, I would get angry very quickly. And there was nothing I could do about it. I really didn't like it. I really knew it wasn't right. But, I, you know, if the kids mucked up, um, or even if, my, if I did something myself, I would get so angry really quickly. It was just one of those things I thought, I can't, I, I don't want to be like this, but I don't know how to be different. I don't know what I can do to be different. I just need God's touch. And the same weekend away for Tanya and Joe, God, we were just sitting there, and it was completely out of the blue, which is why I'm saying that God is very good at just putting his finger on things that he wants to deal with at the time. There could have been a whole load of stuff, but for me, God just went, time to deal with your anger, I think. And I was, it, it took me almost by surprise because I just wasn't expecting it. But I grabbed a couple of the, the leaders there and I said, look, this is what God said. He wants to do with my anger. This is the problem. I, I, you know, I, I confess that, that I've, it's been wrong. I can't do with it. I can't deal with it myself. I can't. I don't know what I can do. But I just asked these guys to pray. And they just prayed. And I just knew that point on God did something. He just, he just did something. He took it away. And to the point where they finished praying and I was excited about going home to be different. It was, a, it was like that. It was a, an instant. And I thought, that's brilliant. That's what I need. That's what, oh, why couldn't I add that earlier? You know, what else is there? No, I didn't say what else is there. <laughs> that was enough of the time. But there was that whole thing of just God coming, putting his finger on something, time to deal with that, bang. Dealt with, went home, completely different. And if you need any more proof, talk to the wife. Because... She says, the minute I came home, there was something different. The way I talked, the way I discussed, the way I dealt with the kids. And that's, that's, that's what God has done. It's that ability to come and change ways of thinking, ways of reacting that have been there for years and years. God can come by his Holy Spirit and just go, click, time to deal with that. And that for me, it was just brilliant. It was just absolutely Amazing. How do, we get our, how do we get our heads in line? Well, I think one of the things I found really useful is to just read through Ephesians 1 and 2. And wherever it says we, put your name or put I. And just read some of that stuff through and get some of that truth back in you. Because we know it. We've heard it. We've been, it's been talked about. For, you know, all, that, all those promises of God for us. Things like, we were, we, were, we were thought of and designed and put together before the creation of the world. Things like um, we are filled with his power, his spirit, the same spirit that raised, us, raised up Christ. We've been raised up to the heavenly, we've been raised up to the, the heavens with, with Christ. We have the same mind as Christ. All these different promises of God, all in Ephesians 1 and 2, allow some of that just to take 10 minutes and just read it through and just let it permeate through. I go, yeah, I believe that. I believe that. Because then what happens is you go, actually, yeah, I, I can do that. I, I, I am okay. I am, I am worthy to be part of a team. I am okay to lead that. I am okay to be involved with whatever it is you're being involved with. You think every, I think God wants, he wants us all to live in that place of just being ready to serve, ready to respond, but living to our full potential. 
And so often we disqualify ourselves. Time and time again, I've found myself sitting out there going, no, it's not for me. No, I'm not interested. And yet, just with a flick of a switch almost, God can go, yeah, no, it's you. Yeah, no, I want you to do this. You know, part of the reason I haven't been up here for four or five years is because actually I didn't think I had anything to say. And that's strange. But actually, that was just me sitting there disqualifying myself, thinking, oh, I could, I'm, I'm not as good as that. But actually, I think God wants to do something different. He wants to turn people around and go, actually, no, each one of you has something to say. Each one of you could be coming in line with what I want you to do. It's, it's a really strange thing. So I just, these are some of my thoughts, really. What have I got left? Not a lot. If you find yourself thinking, yes, I'd like to, but no, then I think maybe this is for you because we've argued ourselves out of whatever it is that you're being asked to do. I think what God would like you to do is saying, actually, God, I can't do this. I can't do this, but I want to. And that's the change of heart. That's that heart thing of saying, yeah, I come on, I... I can't do this without you. I can't change. I can't be different. But with your help, I can. With the Holy Spirit, I can be completely different. You probably need to ask for forgiveness if you've been happily grumpy, like me, or something similar. If you've sat there and if you constantly disqualify yourself for things, you probably say, actually, God, that's not true. That's not the truth. I've believed something different. I've been misled. I've, I've listened to what the enemy has said about me that I'm not worthy, I'm not okay, rather listen to what you say about me. And then, when you get to that point, God says, that's great, because now we can move on. There should be an expectation that actually God does want this for everybody. God does want you to be in that place of having a right heart and a right head. If you found yourself being asked to be involved with something or do something, and you found yourself turning it down... Maybe you want to have a think about this. Maybe you want to ask God for forgiveness and then come back to that place and say, actually, I've changed my mind. Or better still, God's helped me change my mind. These are the sorts of things that I've been thinking about. I didn't go for too long. But I do think that actually, as we, maybe as we worship, just get before God and say, actually, is there anything in my heart that, is dis- that I've self-disqualified myself with? Or is there anything in the way I think that has ruled me out of being involved in stuff? Because actually, if there is, I want to deal with it. Come before God now and just say, yeah, God, come on, let's get this dealt with.